1: Happy New Year, everybody. Happy half hour. Is it a coincidence those two things start with the same word? I think not. Welcome to it. It is 2024, and I think a lot of people are ready for a fresh start, aren't they, Cassidy?
2: Retweet.
1: (laughs) It is, uh, you know, it's always a weird time in the NFL calendar because, you know, you think about seasons ending at certain Mm -hmm. points, and I think if everybody – Could have punched the clock after last week's game at Jacksonville. They might have signed up for that. But here we are. There's another game to go. I guess uh, we'll talk about that one in a little bit. But before we get on, I mean, we truly do. I think we need to look back on last week. Not so much the game itself. I mean, the game itself was an abject disaster. They lost, whatever, 26? 26, 26
2: to nothing, I think 26,
1: was. or was it 100 to nothing? I, at,
2: at that point, the, the points don't matter and the yeah, rules are made up.
1: I, I knew it was something to nothing. So it, uh, whatever the other side of that equation was didn't matter as much. But I, don't want, I obviously don't want to spend too much time on the game itself because it was dreadful. Right. Uh, but I do think there are things uh, to take away. I mean, the offense was as bad as we've seen it. It was Chicago-level bad. Um, it it kind of went back against some of the stuff that had been working, some of the run games, some of the move Bryce around. But the reason I want to talk about the game, and you're uniquely positioned to talk about this, Cass, having covered the Jaguars mm-hmm. and been around Trevor Lawrence, you wrote last week – about kind of the parallels between his rookie season and Bryce's rookie season, and as you watch that thing unfold or sink or whatever verb <laughs> you want to put on it, uh, last Sunday I was wondering, you know, what you kind of took back to, you know, your experience in Jacksonville watching Trevor kind of go through some of the same kind of stuff as a rookie. It,
2: it was interesting, especially because of the parallels between the two. I mean, these are both guys that were number one overall picks. Uh, You know, Bryce Young was a Heisman winner. Trevor was a Heisman runner-up. Guys that won national championships while in college that kind of – and they were both brought in not only as number one overall picks because not all number one overall picks are created the same. Mm -mm. There are some teams that just kind of maybe had a bad year and at that point it's like, hey, let's tank and let's go for it. But, But these are both two guys that were brought in with enormous expectations and had an entire franchise put on their shoulders as a rookie, and then we're told, "Okay, save us." Yeah. <laughs> and and that you're that guy. Welcome. Yeah, you're that guy. Don't let us down. And and that sort of weight can be crippling. And I think what's important to to recognize though is that even though it can be crippling, there's a difference between guys that can't handle it and guys that might stumble under that their first year and then figure out how to carry it. And I think that's what we saw Trevor do, and that's what you're starting to see Bryce do as well.
1: Uh, and, and obviously, you were there during the COVID times, you know, right. and it, all the interviews it seems like were done by Zoom and that kind of thing. But but how did Trevor handle that season? I mean, what right. was he like going from eminently successful Clemson quarterback who has tremendous hair to guy <laughs> in the middle of a, you know, he was the dog sitting at the table with the house right. on fire saying this is fine.
2: He does have tremendous hair, doesn't he really he? does. It's like sunshine hair. Uh, the thing that Trevor did that always stood out that I have noticed in Bryce Young as well is Trevor took all of the, the fault, the criticism, the responsibility on himself. And not in necessarily even an unhealthy way, but in a a barrier way. He put himself as a rookie out in front to protect all of the guys in the locker room behind him. When everything would go wrong, he would fall on the sword, whether it was his fault or not. And a lot of times as the rookie, it was his fault, if we're being honest. I think he broke Peyton Manning's record for number of interceptions in a year coming in as a rookie. I want to say he threw 30 or 32, something around there, that number. And as the season went on, it sort of became like a, okay, well, let's just see what I can get away with. There's not going to be anything to get out of this season other than lessons. And and that's something that I am a little curious to see I want to go back and maybe watch some tape and, and listen to some old interviews to see how Bryce handled that because about three quarters of the way through the season, maybe even a little before that, when it became imminently clear that that season was a wash, Trevor took on a, a a reckless attitude in a way, but a good reckless attitude of, okay, all I'm going to get out of this year is figuring out what I can and can't get away with in the NFL. And that that's on the field. There's a lot of it off the field as well. On the field, it was – I'm going to figure out what I can and can't get away with in the NFL. And that's why you saw his interception numbers balloon again in those last four games or last five games, because he was sort of figuring out his windows, figuring out his timing, but that helped imminently the next year. And that's the thing that maybe was a little disappointing about this game versus the Jaguars for, for Bryce and this offense is because we saw versus Green Bay, the offense takes such a huge step forward I kind of wish they had kept that aggressive attitude, because at at this point, what else do you have to lose? Kind of let Bryce figure it out. Yeah. But off of the field was really where I see a lot of these similarities. Where you know, Trevor kind of put himself up as as the I'm trying to think of vocabulary spelling me the name of whatever the statues would be at the beginning of a city or at the front of a city, like you know the yeah. gatekeepers. And Bryce did that last week after the game, and he did that again on Wednesday this week of his availability, he fell on the sword for a lot of problems that weren't even his fault. Yeah,
1: I mean, and and we wrote about this yesterday. You know, Bryce has been sacked 59 times Mm -hmm. in 15 games. Thank God he didn't play in Seattle. Um, (laughs) Or or we'd be on the verge of record. Steve Berline, I was here for the Steve Berline 62 sack season in 2000, and I think Steve still kind of walks with a limp. But he was much (laughs) older then, so – um, but Bryce has done a good job. But even in talking about it, Bryce talks about things he should have done better. or things. I mean, the offensive line at this point in the season is bordering on ridiculous. Nothing against the guys who are out there giving their best to play.
2: Before but the season's over, you're going to play right guard, Darren.
1: It's entirely possible. I mean, I might be out there. If I'll show you the picture of me at Catawba Middle School uh, later on. <laughs> but I was pretty fierce, and I could probably jump out there. Uh, but, I mean, if J.D. Dorinzo or somebody gets in a snap on offense, you know, they've, they will have reached ridiculous stage. Seven guys have played left guard this season. Eight different guys have played right guard. Have I mentioned they've only played 16 games? They've gotten five games out of their projected starting guards this year because of injury. Brady Christian pops at... Biceps in in the first game of the season. Austin Corbett's coming back from last year's new injury or knee injury. Gets a new one in midseason after he's back for a minute. And it's just when that blows out the middle of your line. So much of the pressure on Bryce has been straight up the shoot. So I, I just think it's it's reached kind of ridiculous levels but Bryce continues to say well I got to communicate better I got to get the ball out quick blah 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 I mean it's just he keeps it about himself which a leader is supposed to do and that's admirable but the kid is also proving that he can take a hit Mm -hmm. he he keeps getting up guys talked about it I, I asked Andy Dalton yesterday I said what's the lesson in this and he said he keeps getting up you know last sunday when he when he uh Roy Robinson Harris lands on him, he said that was the first time he even stayed on the ground for a second so and then he got up and continued to play, went to the tent for a bit, but he was all right. I mean, Bryce is a tough kid. There's no doubt about that. Um, there's no doubt that he's an accountable kid. I just hope that he's not a broken kid uh by the time they get things right around him
2: and, and there's a caveat that goes here too they were playing against one of the leading sack getters in the NFL, yeah. in Josh Allen, who set a new franchise record versus the Panthers on Sunday, broke Calais Campbell's old franchise yeah. record. And, and so this was not for the faint of heart for any rookie quarterback to be playing against Josh Allen. And no. that's that's something. And we did see in the second half they started rolling Bryce out a lot more, You know, kind of getting him out of the pocket, letting him roll. <laughs> I'll say this just for you, Darren. They let him roll on, on a few naked bu- boots.
1: There you go, Just to naked. kind
2: of get him away from Josh Allen. And so we did see some adjustments to that, and there were far fewer sacks in the second half.
1: Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. But you're right. I mean, this just in, Josh Allen good at football, both right. of them. And it, it's it's tough. I mean, and it's it was one of those you just kind of got to get through. Uh, obviously, it's not an ideal situation, and, and they'll finish it up this week. And, you know, they'll be going out there. I'm assuming, based on just sheer availability at this point, Cade Mays uh, broke a finger the other day and wasn't able to finish the game. He's out there with a, a hand kind of clubbed up the other day in practice. And so I don't know if we're going to see Cade. So, sure, Nash Jensen, start a game on the Maybe. other side. Let's do that. Uh, why not? What could possibly go wrong? But here we are. So anyway, it's, uh, it, it is not all doom and gloom because it is a new year. Uh, there was some moderately good news last night when Pro Bowl rosters were announced. The Carolina Panthers did not have any Pro Bowlers per se, uh, which when you go 2-14 is not necessarily a surprise. But Derek Brown is a first alternate, and there is a reasonable chance that Derek ends up a Pro Bowler because one of the people he is behind on that list is one Javon Hargrave of the San Francisco 49ers. And if they do what I anticipate, which is go to the Super Bowl, Derek will suddenly find himself a Pro Bowler. Um, it, it's interesting to me watching uh, this season unfold. I mean, Derek has been the most consistent the best player on this roster from start to finish. I mean, he's he's there every day. He's playing a ton of snaps. I wrote early in the year before you arrived, Cassidy. I mean, the guy is playing basically 80% plus of the snaps in every game, which is cool when you're a cornerback or somebody like that or somebody who doesn't have to move very far but when you are Derek Brown and you're 330 pounds and throwing dudes out of the club left and right, to play the number of snaps he's playing and to play them at the level he's playing is amazing. He's sitting there on 96 tackles, which is three tackles short of the record since they started counting these things in 1994, which is amazing on its face, but Derek had the kind of season that you would only hope more people would follow along with because I I, I sat here week in and week out and it's like, oh gosh, he just threw Zach Martin, <laughs> the you know the Cowboys All-Pro guard. Yeah, he just flung him out of the way. You know he 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 grabbed Alvin Kamara and just. Tossed him down the alley like a bowling ball, which we had some fun with in a video here a couple of weeks ago. I mean, it's just been impressive watching Derek blow up offenses from the inside out. 96 tackles over the course of the season, but Leading he. Leading is-
2: tackling. Yeah, for the interior lineman.
1: Yep, yep. Leading all defensive linemen in the league and tackles. He is just doing the thing at a very high level. And, you know, I would anticipate no matter what other, you know, changes happen around here this offseason, this is going to be the year Derek Brown gets extended. Mm-hmm. And you want to keep that guy here for a long, long time because not only is he good at football, he's He's accountable. He shows up. He works hard. He does all the things the right way. So uh, he is not a pro bowler by definition just yet. He could end up one. But, again, look at the guys he's up against. That Aaron Donald guy, (laughs) also good at football. Dexter Lawrence. Um, You know, Dexter Lawrence is a different kind of of defensive tackle than Aaron Donald. Obviously, he's a big wide body, but he's still got four-and-a-half sacks this year. Nineteen quarterback hits, so he he's played at a high level himself. And then Hargrave, who's out there in San Francisco, likely to go to the Super Bowl. So no real shame in being behind those three guys. I think you could uh, divide it up and and have your argument however you want to. But the one thing you can't question is has Derek Brown been amazing this year? Yes, he has.
2: Totally agree. And when I realized that he was the like we said, leading tackler for defensive lineman, that's that's so hard to do. From that spot. Sure. Um, some of that, too, is because you draw double teams. I, I would imagine Aaron Donald's tackles numbers are pretty low because he's consistently getting double and triple teamed even at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you affect the game, that's what you're asked to do as a defensive lineman, and that's what Derek Brown has done. And so a great point. You know, it's it's kind of hard to argue slash you could argue either way, but he's very likely going to be there and well deserved.
1: Yeah, hope so. Derek deserves that. And and among the other uh alternates that were announced, Brian Burns after making the pro bowl the last two years. Brian's had a down year by any account. He would be the first to tell you that. He is a second alternate. And then Johnny Hecker and JJ Jansen are <laughs> third alternates at punter and long snapper. For the Pro Bowl, which is now a flag football game, I have questions as to what a long snapper and punter do during a flag football game. But uh, you know, we'll we'll see. Maybe if enough long snappers and punters get injured, they can join in and tell us about that. But uh, both they of those they provide
2: commentary. That's what they do. Then. Yeah,
1: exactly. They stand around and eat snacks and tell jokes, uh, which is kind of what they do a lot of days anyway. Yeah. But you know, Johnny was in an unusual position last week. Speaking of unusual. We've seen some things here with the Carolina Panthers in the last couple of years. And last week, I saw something that I would say I've never seen before, but I have. A kicker getting hurt in pregame warm ups. When Eddie Pinheiro comes up tight and isn't able to kick, you know, Johnny Hecker was sitting there as the emergency kicker for field goals. And I asked Johnny after the game, I said, "Uh, Johnny, what, what was your range? And Johnny's like, range unlimited. (laughs) now uh, you can say
2: that when you don't have to kick
1: (laughs) exactly other others may disagree I asked Chris Tabor the other day whether he trusted Johnny throwing a pass or kicking a field goal more and he kind of thought about it for a half a second he said oh yeah throwing a pass so (laughs) it's not an ideal situation but it, it feels kind of normal considering the way this this season's gone down so in the spirit of in the spirit of finding people who can do other things. Since Cassidy is new here, this is exactly, this is your 15th day as an employee of Panthers.com. So we're still getting to know Cassidy Hill. So I want to know, in addition to all the things we know you're good at, like covering football and those kind of things, what is a hidden skill that Cassidy Hill has?
2: Oh, gosh. I have no idea. Um,
1: Can you juggle...
2: No, I can't, but I did make somebody do that for a story once. I uh, took him some tennis balls in the locker room. Let's That's see. better with eggs because it, right. it increases an
1: <laughs> element of risk in that because you don't want to break anything. All you right. know,
2: I took just enough piano lessons growing up to think that I can play piano, but other people might disagree. Um, grew up on a farm so I can ride a horse. Okay. And I spent an ill-advised year and a half and sometimes still do this for family and friends as a wedding planner. Let me tell you, that takes a special set of skills and um, delusion mm-hmm. to talk yourself into doing that. That was uh, were who, who's, wor-
1: who's worse at a wedding, the bride or the mother-in-law? Let
2: me tell you who the... Oh, I'm glad you said mother-in-law. Yeah. Because the worst person at the wedding is hardly ever the bride. It's usually a mother, but it's not even the bride's mother. It's the mother of the groom when she does not have a daughter.
1: Because she goes full mama bear on the entire process yes. and gets to fulfill the unrealized yes. wedding fantasy. And
2: it's like, right. you know, okay, you get to do the cake. Well, that cake is the center of the wedding. And, yeah, the the mother of the groom, when she does not have a daughter, is the worst person to deal with during wedding planning. So let that be a lesson to any of you if you have a son and no daughters and he's getting married Take some pity on that poor wedding planner.
1: Yeah. All right. We we could just continue this trend, turn this into a bit. Three questions with a newcomer. Uh, <laughs> we know you can ride a horse, play a piano a little, and you are a wedding planner at points in your life. Uh, you have been here again. This is 15 days you've been. <laughs> a charlatan all of a sudden Ooh, what is that you, the word what have you yes we are not charlatans although sometimes <laughs> we can be we are we are in fact charlatans what do you call green bayans green bayites cold that's funny <laughs> is is there a name for that what do you call residents of I green think bay
2: green bayans
1: green bayans green i don't bayites? know I,
2: I don't know if i ever really heard that come up maybe green, once or twice the
1: green bay hive Like Beyonce, (laughs) maybe, something like that. I don't know. Good reference. Yeah, there you go. Um, So, yeah, you're a Charlatan. You've been driving around our fair city for 15 days now. What have you learned? What have you seen new that you weren't expecting here in Charlotte?
2: That I wasn't expecting? Hmm. Uh, This may be just because I have lived in an area without them for the past, like, 10 years. But there are so many interstate connectors here. And I keep getting them confused. I missed my exit coming into work this morning. There you go. I had to take like a 10-minute roundabout. So that's um, getting used to that. The other thing, and maybe it's just because like I happened to notice this on a broadcast right before I moved, but I've always thought of Charlotte as the Queen City. Like I knew that that was a nickname for Charlotte, but I didn't realize how many other cities also liked to claim that nickname until I was watching, I think it was a Bengals game right before I moved, and somebody called Cincinnati the Queen City. Yep. And I was like, why? That's What What makes Cincinnati the Queen City? But then you get here and you realize this is not just a nickname. It's like a whole identity because there's crowns on everything.
1: There's crowns on everything. Our statue is inside the airport now. I realized this the other day flying to Jacksonville. Uh, our statue has been moved from What's out in the front of, of, the, of Queen Charlotte.
2: Oh Queen Charlotte
1: her own self is standing. Did you in watch
2: Queen Charlotte on Netflix?
1: No, I did not. Oh, I, I'm should. terrible at Netflix. I'm terrible at streaming shows. But <laughs> uh but anyway. You so. are
2: a Charlottean. I feel like it should be mandatory to watch the Queen Charlotte show. Maybe
1: maybe that's on my list for the off season. I've got a I've got a big to do list and a big <laughs> to to read list and I, I mean, will
2: pay five dollars for you to come back on this podcast during the off season and give us your review of queen charlotte on netflix
1: yeah i this could be a challenge this could be a bit we'll keep doing that so anyway so all right we're getting to know you a little bit at a time here on the happy half hour we will continue that process over the course of the year we got one more game to talk about next week it will be a tampa bay buccaneers team that needs this one to make the playoffs the carolina panthers could screw things up for somebody else Burns has been talking about being the Grinch all offseason, so uh, he might enjoy that. A lot of people might. We'll see how that goes. Baker Mayfield's all beat up.
2: Um, Baker the, Mayfield return game.
1: Yeah, Baker Mayfield revenge game. There's uh, there's a lot of Baker Mayfield content to explore. Uh, maybe we'll do that next week, but I have a feeling we're going to be talking about a lot of other stuff next week <laughs> because as we get into an offseason, it's going to be different, gang. There's going to be a lot of change. Uh, this offseason, as everybody anticipates, when you go 2 and 14 plus, whatever happens this week, we will take a deep breath. We will get into all that next week on the Happy Half Hour. See y'all then.
0: Live Nation presents Concert Week.